Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show hey listener underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you can play pick them pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower total in each stat for this week's games for a chance to win big you can actually win up to 100 times your money in a single night that's right i didn't say 10 i didn't say 20 up to 100 times your money Pick between two and five players, build a pick them entry. My favorite feature, you can make rivals picks. Pit two players against each other. Wembenyama versus Nikola Jokic. Tim Hardaway Jr. versus Norm Powell. Kawhi Leonard versus Steph Curry. Who knows? Maybe Grayson Allen versus Pat Connaughton. You get where I'm going with that. You can do it all with Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you sign up today with the promo code DING. That's D-I-N-G. And get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant pick'em special. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our promo code DING, D-I-N-G, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick them special must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concern with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray, and I'm joined by my brother, my partner, friend of the show, man, damn near the third Woke Bro, if we being honest. Ben Burgess, what's going on, brother? <laughs> I take that as a huge compliment. I am good, man. How have you been? I'm good, man. Last time I saw you, we was at Barry Weiss's Palooza. Yeah. Um, really cool, cool event with Anna from Red Scare, Grimes. I forget the other two chicks' names. They were great, though. Um, Thoroughly enjoyed them. Louise Perry and Sarah Hader. Sarah Hader, sorry, I, did, I didn't remember the two celebrities, sorry, the two non-celebrities, but shouts to them. Um, great after party, great atmosphere, just a cool event. I look forward to going to the next free press event because they know how to throw a party. They put a good production on. Uh, the comedian kicked ass too. Oh, yeah, what was his name? The gay homie, I forget his name, but he yeah, was incredible. Um, of course, L.A. Times poo-pooed it, uh, just completely <laughs> clueless and just ridiculous. But we well, had a... It's so stupid. I, I, I read that article, and it's like what they, were just, what they were describing. It's like, look, there are things that, like, some of those people said that's like, you know, 
I could give you my like critique. Yeah, of a great argument against it for sure. You know, but like, you know, this was just such lazy like lib writing. You know, it's yeah. like you know, it it just it's just like oh, you know, that person could have written that article without even going. Yeah, and also. <sighs> It's a weird thing to shit on where it's like, yo, LA Times, why don't y'all throw something like this? Exactly. <laughs> You're the fucking LA Times. Like, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway, on today's show, our, our guy Nando Vila is hobnobbing with the elites in Spain right now, um, drinking all kinds of Spanish wines, having all kinds of tapas. Um, so he can't join us today. However, we got a great show in store because... Just some incredible news since our last <laughs> since our last woke bros. Um, we missed last week, but uh, Ibrahim Kenji X uh, had to let a lot of people go um, from the anti-racial institute or whatever <laughs> that shit is called over at BU or BC. Excuse me, BC. Yeah, uh, BU. I'm <laughs> not prestigious enough for Ibrahim Kenji. Um, just want to talk about the fallout from that. Just. The sort of discourse that was happening around that dude mm -hmm. at the peak of 2021, 2020, you know, racial reckoning hysteria that we had, and the sort of fallout from that, um, these, these annoying-ass shortcuts that we try to take in society. Mm -hmm. Whatever, we'll get into that at some point. But first, man, fresh off the presses, you just wrote a new article in Jacobin Mag. Uh, it's titled, Gavin Newsom Keeps Throwing Workers Under the Self-Driving Bus. Um, it's about all of these anti-worker legislation that Ga Gavin Newsom is pushing through, all of these pro-worker legislations that he's vetoing in his capacity as governor of the state, the liberal state of California, democratically controlled, up and down the goddamn coast, Ben. It's the Dems putting their thumb on the scale. You would think it would be just a liberal, progressive utopia with all that democratic machine power yeah, um, that we would just be seeing all these gains for workers, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I, clearly, that should be the case, right? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of, um, I mean, it's like Thomas Frank, you know, made this point back in, uh, he wrote this great book called Listen Liberal, where it's like, the Democrats' excuse is always like, look, what can we do, right? You know, it's not uh, sure, you know, maybe you wish that, like, Biden would do more before you wish that Obama would do more. But it's it's just these damn Republicans, you know, they, yes. they, yep. they can't, mm -hmm. you know, can't do anything with the Republicans getting in the way. And look, obviously, there's some truth to that. But, like, it's real telling that in California, Democrats run everything, like the... Uh, uh, you know, Newsom's obviously a Dem, uh, the, you know, both chambers of the state legislature, obviously, you know, run by the Dems. Uh, so this is really a good test case. Uh, well, is it really the case that it's just like the only problem is the Republicans? And, you know, if the... Uh, you can't make that argument. No, you can't. Uh, and... I mean, it's, I really think like Newsom is kind of the living embodiment of, uh, you know, like just this like super grading kind of like American liberalism where, you know, the first oh, time I wrote God. about it for Jackman was two years ago. He'd just done two things back to back. One of them was uh, he made a big point of adding like an ethnic studies uh, requirement for high school graduation. But then he also, uh, he also vetoed uh, this big expansion of financial aid that would have helped community college students uh, in California. So it's like, you know, it's just, the, it was just the perfect, like, oh, hey, uh, you do this performative identity politics thing, but then when you're, you're, you have a chance to help the, by the way, disproportionately non-white population of community college students, uh, then, uh, then no, sorry, it costs too much money. Um, back then I, my, uh, suggested headline on that article, which Big and Dave vetoed was, uh, uh, Gavin Newsom's a piece of shit. I guess that's going too far, even for a Jacobin headline. But like the stuff that uh, the stuff that I'm uh, writing about for this one is like within like a week, like just this very small amount of time, like late September, Newsom um, vetoes this bill 
uh, that was passed uh, overwhelmingly, right, by the state legislature that would have banned self-driving like trucks from uh, from California highways if, if they didn't have like a safety operator on board, which of course one is going to eliminate thousands of jobs, you know, like make it illegal for them to, to do Just it. a quick question before, yeah. cause we already like, it's obvious why it's bad for workers. Yeah. Um, I'm like, it's also bad for anybody who's on the highway. Right. 100%. We know that. Um, but again, just for the listeners who just, yeah. you know, who might not understand how that law might work. It's just, it's pretty simple. It's straightforward. Yeah. There, there would be workers on the self-driving bus, meaning people who Same. needed to be paid to monitor what was happening with the bus, even if they were not on the bus. These are thousands of workers and jobs that will be lost. Now, I remember that prop, whatever it was with Uber, um, when clearly- yeah, Prop 22. Prop 22 with Uber. We understood what the stakes were for these guys to be full-time employees, get bennies, get reimbursements, get all these things that any normal employee, which is what they are for fucking Uber, um, yeah. would get. But the Uber side was like, no, but workers, they love flexibility. They love making their own hours. They don't, they don't want a real steady paying job that pays a livable wage that they can run a nice little crib and take their kids out to eat every now and again. Workers don't want that. They want flexibility because they're going to be entrepreneurs one day, Ben. Everybody knows that. That was sort of the counter argument, which we obviously knew was bullshit. Um, what's the, what, what's the counter argument for, for, for this? Is there, or have they even bothered to put one together? Not much. I mean, I think on the self-driving uh, cars and trucks thing, I think that that's, uh, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess if, you, if you're if you just that sure that it's safe without it, then uh, you say, oh, well, let's not stand in the way of, you know, technological progress Jesus here. Christ. But like, um, but that one was pretty bad. How are people still making that argument, by the way? Yeah, well, look, I, I just don't, I, like that's crazy to me. Like again, even politics aside, even the thousands of, of like lost jobs aside, like I don't know, man. As, as like that just terrifies me as like a driver. Like, uh, like yeah, one hundred percent. Forget about as a passenger. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, forget about it. Like, okay, cool. So obviously, um, he does that. What are, What are some of the other yeah. you know, great things he's doing for the California worker? <laughs> Well, so yeah, that was like a couple weeks ago. That was like late September. And then within the last week, he's done two things back to back. One of them is, uh, you you just mentioned Prop 22. Uh, that was, you know, to, um, to let uh, Uber and DoorDash and Lyft and all these companies uh, classify their workers as contractors of instead course. of employees. So of they, you know, they don't have to, you know, minimum wage benefits, you know, all that. By stuff. the way, there are people who might want to be classified as contractors, sure. people who have their own full-time job already where it's like, Oh, like I can do this thing for you on the side. Yeah. Um, instead of paying me those bennies, just pay me up front. Just pay yeah. me, just pay me the money that you was gonna put into those bennies, put into this, put into that. I'm gonna do my W nine. I'm like it makes there is a uh, um, uh, a category of worker that that makes sense for, but you can't tell me it makes sense for every single gig economy worker no. that exists. That's absurd. No, and like honestly, if you're you know you wouldn't really get benefits. I mean, if you're just working like a limited number of hours as a part time employee right. anyway. So. Um, no, it's I mean, it's it's really obvious what was going on there. Well, uh, after Diane Feinstein uh, finally died, I'm not sure how they could tell, but uh, oh they, yeah, they, this was this was fantastic. They tell this me is my know. this is my personal favorite because we just tying it into a nice bow with the education reform thing that you yeah. mentioned. Like uh, after Feinstein died, uh, Newsom's appointment uh, Butler for uh, for her replacement actually uh, worked as like a corporate consultant. She was working with Uber uh, when they were getting Prop 22 passed. Uh, and it's kind of amazing. Wow. Yeah. Like this is- Funny how that works. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's a very typical Newsom thing that, you know, he made a big deal beforehand before we knew who was going to be about saying, you know, that he was going to appoint uh, a black woman, which is kind of like, 
God, which should be kind of insulting because it's like what like all black women are interchangeable like it doesn't yeah. really matter what any particular woman yeah. stands for yes. or what interest she represents to these all... fucks yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all just the same um yeah like so uh so people were a lot of people were like oh okay well why don't you appoint Barbara Lee. Uh, she's a black woman. She used to be in Congress. You know, she's already she's clearly anti-imperial, anti-war. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's clearly interested. The seat. Yeah, like you're saying, she's the only person in Congress who had the guts to vote against the war in Afghanistan. You know, in 2001, uh, that would have been great. But nope. Um, instead, he appoints. Uh, he appoints. Uh, in fact, somebody who worked with Uber on getting Prop 22 passed. And it was also amazing because a lot of the uh, mainstream press like headlines, you know, you'll see refer to her as a former labor leader, which is true, but it's super misleading because it's like, yeah, what's she been doing since then? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she switched sides. Yeah, she switched sides. She went from being on the side of the workers to being on the side of management whose job is to fuck workers at every single turn. Um, and the reason why this is important, obviously, yeah. is because this guy has self-fashioned himself as sort of the future um, so. standard bearer of the Democratic Party writ large. Um, and it feels like it's a bit self-appointed. I think I shouldn't say that it's fully self-appointed. Yeah. I think there is a faction of the consultant class and those sure. kinds of people that absolutely love Gavin Newsom. Um, he's going to check all the boxes that these artificial boxes, he's got a full set of hair. He yeah. can speak well publicly. Um, you know, he's going to do all of the, the socially conscious quote unquote stuff. He's going to perform that quite well while also being completely enmeshed within the, um, capital class of California and the country writ large. Like, of course, again, like I remember this guy during the pandemic as the guy who kept Napa Valley open during the pandemic. Yo, California was one of the strictest COVID states. And it was like, damn, why is Napa still open? Oh, yeah, that's right. He owns a vineyard. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He's blah, blah. He, it was like a day. Or, I forget how long it was after he handed down the edict that, you know, they would shut down the whole state of California, shelter in place, blah, blah, blah. He was having a fundraiser at the goddamn French Laundry, which if those of you who don't know, it's like a tasting menu of a thousand person ahead. Well, and the thing, um, I, I saw a friend, Anna Kasparian, point this out uh, yesterday in the Young Turks. Like, the headline everybody got out of that was, oh, look, uh, here's Newsom being a hypocrite and, like, going out and, like, dining, you know, in, um, you know, like, in person. You know, you're not supposed to do that because of COVID. Fair enough. That's true. But like the much bigger deals, who he was doing it with, yeah. uh, which were these uh, these like lobbyists, you know, like of course the people who are it like, was it was just bro, it, it's just gross. Yeah, these are the people who he was working with to uh, basically uh, help PG and E, uh, the utility company that uh, has been found like legally culpable for the California wildfires because uh, yeah. they. Um, you know, extreme negligence, you know, they didn't update their equipment. They knew it was, you know, like they knew what the problem was, it was cheaper not to deal with it, roll the dice. Um, so, and these are the people he was working with to basically systematically rewrite the rules to, uh, to make it harder <laughs> to, uh, to get the money that PG&E uh, owes uh, wildfire victims for compensation to, you know, yeah. that they had to pay Gross. out less or they could pass it on to the, you know, consumer um so that's like a whole thing it's just the gross it's just gross it is and and you know like not for nothing um pg &E, uh was a big donor to his his original campaign uh for governor um but um but yeah i mean then like we haven't even done what to my mind is uh maybe the worst of of all of these uh which is last week he vetoed uh, a law that would have extended unemployment benefits to, uh, strike to striking workers. workers. Yep. Exactly. Right. So this is basically, you know, I'm sure people uh, watching this will remember, you know, early in the writer's strike, uh, there was this notorious quote that was going around from, uh, from one of the studio bosses. People uh, assumed it was Bob Iger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
uh, chairman and CEO of Disney. Yep. Yep. Uh, said, uh, well, the, the long-term play here is to hold out until writers start losing their apartments and, you know, losing their houses. Um, and fortunately in that case, that didn't happen. Uh, but this is precisely what would help protect workers from bosses doing that strategy that it's like, Oh, that's fine. We'll just, you know, we'll just outlast you until you're so desperate that you'll come back to the table and like, just, just take whatever we choose to give you. Um, and I mean, that, like if this guy, you know, and I understand, uh, you know, if we're going to to- do totally, you know, do balls and strikes here, uh, he did sign something that, uh, that has, uh, that's going to increase wages for fast food workers. That's good. Although I also point out in the article, it has some weird, uh, exemptions built into it for the sake of like, <laughs> buying off industry opposition like any chain that makes its own bread for some reason is exempted uh from the higher wages so if you work at panera uh, <laughs> it's like you work even harder you should be getting even you baking the bread you baking the bread and, and making the dough rise like come on now yeah i would think so uh but yeah uh but like this like just the fact that he wouldn't have even had to do anything like all he had to do, I mean, this had already passed. Like, this would be a huge thing for, like, the collective bargain power of workers in California. And literally all he had to do was just not veto it, right? And, uh, but then he, you know, he does. And, you know, he has this, uh, I mean, his only argument for it is, is this kind of lame, like, you know, it's like, well, you know, the unemployment insurance system already costs a lot of money. So, you know, we shouldn't expand it. Like, you know, come on. That's not, that's not why. That's not why. Yeah. And, and so this is the great, and again, there are people who are screaming about Joe Biden shouldn't run. Yeah. He's quote unquote behind in the polls right now against sure. Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and this is the fucking clown show that they want to put forward. <laughs> Well, and he, he obviously, you know, I mean, he obviously wants it. He's made that pretty clear. Yeah, he's he's debating Ron yeah. DeSantis because they're just so, like, there's just such stout intellectuals, Ben. Like, the public needs to just hear their, the, them expound upon all of the ills of society and how they would propose that we fix them by, you know, screwing workers at every single turn um, and, and, you know, making sure we deregulate the shit out of just <laughs> what we got left. Um, it's, it's, it's quite comical. Um, and, you know, I've read, I've read some, some stories about uh, certain people in the party's not feeling what he's doing, yeah. um, his not-so-subtle approach. Because for people, obviously, everybody knows this. You win the fucking presidency, you're an incumbent, you run. You know, uh, that's just how the party goes. Like that's that's just how it goes. Like, like uh, what's his name? Uh, Ted Kennedy. Um, sure. He he went against that. I think that was that was uh, Jimmy Carter. He did that too. Yeah, where, yeah, nineteen eighty. Yeah, in nineteen eighty, which was just unprecedented to just go up against an incumbent. But like pretty much since, it's never happened again. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm trying to think. I think the only time it's happened since then, I think that was the last time on the Democratic side. I think the only time on the Republican side was like George Bush Sr. got like a primary challenge from uh, from Pat Buchanan. Uh, got you. Yes, you know, yes, so, yes. You know, but like, yeah, it's, it's been a very long time on, and, on either end. And again... <sighs> First of all, there's a lot of built-in um, advantages to being the incumbent. Um, and I think, you know, it's a long time until November of next year. And I think Biden could do a bunch of shit that might be able to curry him some fav- favor with voters. And I think at best right now you could say, oh, Donald Trump's 50-50 with him, right? Um, but the idea that, like, oh, there's this all of these candidates that the Dems could just throw out there mm-hmm. that would be so amazing and engender all of this great will from the people, I, I find it to be laughable. Gavin Newsom being chief among them. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing. I mean, like, if you think back to why Biden won in the first place, like, okay, the, the like, 
regular Dems had to find somebody to rally behind so it wouldn't be Bernie. You know, can't have that, right? That's the uh, got to avoid that at all cost. Uh, so, uh, so, but like, why was it Biden? Why wasn't it, you know, Mayor Pete or you know Kamala? What you know, one of these people? It's like uh, I guess you'd already dropped out, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like the, it's like part of the problem is that most of the uh, most of the rest of the big Dems are just like so unappealing like you know biden um you know biden of a different time bro he became he became a democrat before they got consultant exactly cocksuckered to death like every single everybody else is just straight up you just know they are just all they do is talk to these consultant types they're not human beings in public yeah, it's just not. Mayor Pete is not a human being in public no in his affect at all. Neither is Kamala Harris. That's why everybody hates her and she can't gain no traction. She would be the obvious pick. Of course. She's, she's like, so inept. Yeah. She's so obviously unattractive. Gavin Newsom, like, who else you want to throw out there? I think Elizabeth Warren used to have some level of appeal, yeah. especially with certain type of progressives. I used to be one of those type of people that was like, nah, like CFPB, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And realistically, like, she's been coasting on that CFPB shit for 15 years yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a fucking joke. Uh, there, there's nobody. You know, no. a guy that I would like to see get his, get his, get in there who, for whatever reason, yeah. I don't know why, uh. he has no interest in it, is Sherrod Brown. Oh, okay, yeah. I would yeah. love to see Sherrod Brown get in there. He's got, he's got actual union yeah. bona, bona fides, working class bona fides. He's a Midwest guy, a normal yeah. seeming fucking guy. But for whatever reason, he has no interest in this shit. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, Betterman hadn't had a stroke, who knows, you know? I but, know. Uh, yeah, like, no, I mean, most of the, I mean, there are exceptions here and there. I mean, I guess, uh, like, I think as far as, like, just sort of regular centrist Dems, uh, I think Gretchen Whitmer seems less like she was grown in a lab than a lot of them do, hmm. um, you know, hmm. but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, like Newsom is exactly the kind of guy who a lot of Democrats would uh, would try to put out because it's like you know because he he, uh, he appeals to them and it sort of doesn't seem to occur to them that uh, and and I get it like the average suburban Dem voter yeah they're gonna go for it they don't sure. give a fuck affluent college educated yeah. suburban Democrat like of course they'll be like yeah I could go for that. But that's not like, bro. Like, yeah. that's not the fringe Democratic Party voter, bro. Yeah, no, I I think that that's I think that's totally right. Like, there's no, um, you know, I think that, yeah, I mean, Joe Biden. Like, part of the appeal of Joe Biden is that look as as awful as his record was before you know before he ran for for president you know he was like the you know senator from mastercard you know and uh voted for the iraq war and all yep. that stuff mm-hmm. just in terms of affect uh he seemed like a regular person yes uh i i even think uh you know he he kind of gestured in the direction of caring about the problems of ordinary people and even like I don't know. I even remember like that uh, that moment when somebody asked him uh, during the campaign, uh, "How many genders are there?" And he was like, "I don't know, at least three. Like it's like it was kind of perfect because it was like what it, what it communicated is it's like, look, I'm not a bigot or an asshole. I'm not out to make life harder for anybody. But also, I don't understand this shit, and I'm good. Yeah, exactly. I'm good. Which I'm is- out of it." probably the perfect thing to communicate uh, you know yeah. from that position like just like it's like yeah i don't know just just don't you know like i i'm not i'm not like i'm not interested in whatever you guys are fighting about right now you know like you know skip me you know skip me with it and uh and yeah i think that was a really effective message whereas like somebody like Newsom, i mean there's a reason why he wants to debate ron DeSantis. oh god it's they, so easy yeah. It's and, just so easy. 
and and like debating because he's obsessed with all the same stuff that Ron DeSantis is obsessed with. And, you know, so they get to, they get to spend, you know, 90 minutes talking about all their favorite subjects uh, with each other. And, you know, it's it's not like, you know, it's not like Ron DeSantis is going to ask him why he vetoed unemployment benefits for striking work. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> that shit wouldn't even come up because Ron and Ron DeSantis isn't even like a Josh Hawley type who like no. fakes, fakes the funk. He's no. just straight up just a corporatist elite. Oh bastard that's what he is but okay i guess we've we've kind of beat up on gavin newsom's handsome body uh long enough i do want to get into this ibrahim kenji x thing and the anti-racist institute at boston college um you have a better familiar of this guy's background and his ascendance to prominence in all of these liberal and elite spaces of academia. What do you know about his ascent to the space that he got? Just so we can get let the listeners and viewers understand, get a certain understanding of this Ibrahim Kenji X guy and this how to be an anti-racist craze that happened two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I was reading, um, so our friends Jason Miles and Gene Bajalan are writing an article about it, and I was just reading that. Uh, Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that, uh, that you know, strikes me as, I don't know, maybe a little bit funny about this guy is that uh, he... Um, you know, from uh, like for the way you he talks, uh, you would think that you know that he really had some experience of the uh, the sort of the struggle, the black struggle. struggle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, well, well, you know, Ben. Once you're black, you're gonna struggle. You know, okay. even when you're upper middle class or or rich. Oh, when you're rich, you struggle the most. Oh. You got family members asking you for money. Oh, your life is so hard when you're black, man. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. No matter what. Okay. Uh, yeah. His. Uh, I mean, apparently his. So uh, Henry Rogers, by the way, is his uh, is his birth name. Uh, and uh, his mom, Carol Rogers, uh, I looked this up, is described as a former business analyst for a healthcare organization. Mm. Uh, and mm. uh, his uh, his dad is a tax accountant. Um, so, um, you know, this is, uh, like, well-to-do folks, well-to-do yeah, folks. Yeah. Which is like, you know, the reason I'm bringing that up is not that like, you know, is, is not that, you know, I hold it against him that, you know, he comes no. from a comfortable background. That's fine. Doesn't can't control that. It's like, it's not, it's not good in some way to have like grown up struggling. It's, you know, that's all fine. Right. You know, but I, I just, I think there is a certain uh, absurdity to the fact that there, you know, that this guy can, um, 
sort of change his name to the most like black power sounding thing that you know that he can think of and uh and and he can position himself the way that he uh he ended up positioning himself and you know and it's uh and and everybody's and there are so many people who are willing to just like defer to him it's like oh this guy you know this guy really you know must really know uh what he's talking about and Mm -hmm. You know, I think that is he's one of a couple of people who, uh, I mean, I'm trying to come up with a more charitable word than grifters, but uh, it's a grift. And, and be, just, just again, because uh, we want to talk about the substance of yeah, the of shit that got him, made him so popular. This yeah. concept of anti-racism, which essentially in. Ben is the philosophy guy. So you can tell me if I'm getting this right or wrong. Essentially, it means that it's not enough to be passively not racist. You have to be actively anti-racist. Yeah, and in the book, did, did did you read the book, or did you just read some excerpts, or what? what yeah, I've read some excerpts. I, I haven't read. Uh, so he wrote a couple of. So the how to be an anti-racist is one of the big ones, and uh, what was the other one? There was a, the um, uh stamped or uh no stamped from the beginning the uh definitive history of racist ideas in america uh that's uh like it's um so i mean it's kind of funny right that it's like the people who in some ways like the biggest winners from the summer of 2020 are the right wingers well yeah i mean but like people like Kendi or Robin D'Angelo who had these sort of very uh, accessible, um, like a, they sort of sounded just edgy enough to kind of capture the mood of mm-hmm. the time, uh, books that people could read and stuff that people could, you know, could donate to. White Fragility, remember that one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh that yeah, Robin D'Angelo would uh, who'd go around to uh, uh, to like Bro. basically your you know basically your boss would hire her to uh, to yell Bro. at you. I mean that's that's what that gets Bro. down to. It's crazy, wife. Uh, yo, like <laughs> I got hired by a new company in 2021, so a lot. So like yeah. there was still this sort of in the ether this idea that corporations needed racial yeah teaching shit yeah and bro some of the seminars that i sat through i was like i was like i can't believe our company paid y'all to do this bro yeah like this is crazy like i could talk to my coworkers tomorrow and be like yo this is all you got to do <laughs> like yeah. don't be an asshole engage your coworkers in like oh, oh, who oh, they are let's like see, let's see don't be an asshole that makes it sound like it's okay to just be a non-racist it turns out you have to be a an anti-racist, anti-racist which is uh, just, it's it's just it's just by the way in the book he called like frederick Douglass is a racist and like <laughs> it's like he makes all of these radical claims to get like all this attention and essentially you know, of course, the sort of hysteria around 2020 and 2021, you know, they're finding people, the whites, the elite whites are trying to find ways to atone for this. It's like blacks, whites, Latinos are on the streets and everybody is, is coming to this, confronting this um, essential truth, although I don't even know if it's an essential truth. This is a truth that, uh, you know, minorities and all kinds of people sure. have been put upon in America. And we need to try to do something about it. And who do we turn to? A motherfucker who's, you know, upper middle class black. It's it's like the classic elite capture. Yeah, which is the, so, I mean, the fact that he, I mean, again, I think that like the fact that, you know, he does come from this background is relevant only because it's um, the you know, like it just shows how interested it is that like nobody's really making that distinction, right? That they yes. like there's, there's so much of what he's talking about. Like his whole deal is that um, is that anything like any policy or any anything that um, that uh, that sort of generates worse outcomes uh, for black people than white people is racist. 
And, um, and so that's what we need to be focused on. So he has this wacky proposal for like, there needs to be like a federal department of anti-racism with like, you know, people who are empowered to, you know, like overturn anything that has racist effects and have, uh, and, you know, ban, you know, anybody from having racist ideas. Mind and, you, and again, as always, that this, these, the, the, there's never a distinction as to which black people is disproportionately affecting. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say, because it's like, <laughs> when you say it's disproportionately affecting, like you're talking about percentages, right? But like, if you're, um, but the, the big distinction that I would make is, okay, like, what's the goal? Right? Like, what, what do we actually want to have happen? Um, is, it, is it just that we want there to be, like, the right percentages of everybody at every, every step in the economic ladder comes from the right groups? Is that what we want? Right? Because, like, yeah. a lot of... A lot yes, of that's what elites, that's what elite blacks want. Yeah, because... They want to walk into their boardroom and they want to see 12% black people in there. Yeah. That's it. That's all they want. Yeah, because, like, that's not, uh, that's not actually going to help, like, the overwhelming majority of black people, right? Because uh, even, if, even if you do have 12% black people in the boardroom, right, they, you know, overwhelming majority of black people aren't going to be sitting on corporate boardroom, boards just like the overwhelming majority of white people aren't. Uh, and this is, I always think about there's this uh, line, um, you know, Adolf Reed has this article where he talks about going on some black nationalist radio show and argue with the host. And uh, he makes the point that most of the uh, racial wealth gap is at the top. And the host says, oh, but, uh, but white people have so much more collective wealth than black people. And Reed kind of makes fun of it. He says, well, hold on. Tell me more about this collective wealth. Like, how does this work? If you're like a waitress in Oklahoma who's having trouble making rent, can you right. hit up Elon Musk for a donation from the white collective? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's just an absurd framing of, yeah. you know, how, we, how society has organized itself. And again, we're bringing this up just to show you like what the grift was. It's like, again, yeah. this is something like, again, this is Ben's world, you know, these... If, if you're of the of academia, you write a paper, it gets peer reviewed, like people come and argue against it and you have to defend uh, this paper that you wrote, these ideas that you uh, that you've espoused. Like there's this there's like a rigorous process that absolutely never happened with this guy. And then of course, the the freaking liberal elites, they were like, yo, we got to do something about George Floyd and this, well, and, this and that. Well, that's the whole thing, because people were doing this. And we should say it, too. I mean, if the grifter thing earlier sounded too harsh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But the <laughs> amount of money that went into yes, this. Yes, and that's what I was going to say. Versus what's left now. Yes, <laughs> and, the re and the actual work that was done. I think it was something like $42 million they've burned through. Yeah, forty-two oh. million dollars they burned through, guys. Um, laid off a bunch of people at the research center. They produced no work because this was supposed to be the center to solve racism, Ben, at Boston College. And yeah, huh. yeah. And this is the thing, like this sort of correct premise that these people have uh, is that. Obviously, look, I mean, America was, uh, you know, like at the time that like, I don't know, our parents were growing up, right? Like America was an apartheid country. Like that's true. Sure. Right? Yeah, you know, that's, uh, and so that doesn't, you know, they, so that what that means, among other things, is that how like economic inequality is, is distributed like that's not just going to go away like in a generation or two, you know, that doesn't, mm -hmm. that doesn't work that way. So like, they're not wrong about the disparities, like they're right about the disparities, but then the question is, well, again, what are you going to do about it? And what's the goal? And, uh, and if, you know, is the goal, the 12% black representation on the board of directors of Lockheed Martin, uh, or is, uh, is the goal, to have a more equal society that like just to, to have to have the floor be raised for everybody. Um, and 
And of course, uh, that second one, and you know, by the way, like it's worth remembering, you know, because you know, all we keep talking about that summer of 2020, that all of this happened after the murder of George Floyd. Well, you know, George Floyd uh, was a laid off worker who was, um, who was, um, you know, killed by the cops after, uh, after he was uh, apprehended for trying to pass a bad 20 at a, mm-hmm. uh, at a, at a grocery store. And this is like, I, I, I mean, the thing, think about there is like, yeah, look, there, there's a, there's a reason why that kind of, um, brutal um, version of policing uh, happened and mass incarceration and all that stuff. But if your whole analysis of it is that there's like this sort of eternal racial dynamics that are just like throughout American history and basically no difference, you know, that if we're talking about, you know, 1850 or 1950 or 2020, you know, it's, it's all the, you know, it's all the same thing. I think you're going to be, going to be missing a lot i think that the i think the real thing like is stuff that people like cedric johnson write about that you know after like starting in the 70s there was kind of a crossroads where one way to sort of manage poverty and all the social ills that come with poverty would have been to expand the great society welfare state that had started yeah. under, under lbj another way was to lock motherfuckers up yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh well, that one is a lot cheaper and it's a lot easier politically, you know. Yeah. So, so that's what that's what they did, right? And um, and this is, you know, like, but sort of talking about that as primarily an issue about race, or even as primarily an issue about policing, I think misses a lot of the point. That like, if you live in a middle class neighborhood you probably have a pretty good relationship with the police, right? I yeah, mean, that, that's you how- definitely do, Ben. Yeah. You definitely do. It's not probably. Ugh. You definitely do. No matter what your race is. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's period. Now, you know, uh, if you, you know, if you're a black yuppie and you gentrifying, I would argue you still, you still, even as a black gentrifier, you still have a pretty decent relationship with the cops. Yeah. You know, um, and why the fuck do you think that is? It's absolutely not because you're black. Or you're not. (laughs) Like, like, we know why that is. Exactly, right? It's like, so this is all, like, all of this stuff is downstream of all this massive economic inequality. And yeah, the economic inequality is is definitely distributed in racially disparate ways. That's true. But like, but... But the question is, what do we want? Do we want like a sort of racially correct version of economic inequality where, you know, you, you have the, you know, the right numbers of each group at each, you know, at each level or, uh, or is what we want to like attack the economic inequality itself? Because, you know, even in Ibram X. Kendi terms, you know, the, uh, when you talk about the, uh, you know, like, you know, you're judging things by their, you know, effective, you know, impact. It's like, well, look, I know which one of those things is going to benefit more black people than the other one, right? Like, it's, I mean, it's... Well, just, just, to, just to bring it all the way to the top, um, yeah. because I think this is all of a piece, the nonsense, the, the Gavin Newsom version of yeah. liberalism is the yeah. same thing that allows for a figure like Ibrahim X. Kennedy to ascend. It's... <laughs> The racial studies class in high school. Yeah. I guess vaguely that helps black and brown people as compared to letting people pay for junior college. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, like, we know which one is going to help more black and brown people. Totally right. But we're going to, we always in, in the media, in culture, at Gavin Newsom's dumbass debate, I know they're going to talk about the black, the Africana studies programs in Florida's public universities. And I know that dumb shit gonna come up. And I'm not saying, obviously we should have this shit at college. I'm not saying that. But like the idea that this is at the central of the debate about black life in America, bro, is fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think that having- And And you'd have to be an elite black to think that it belongs at the forefront of what the black struggle in America is. 
You can't be a normal black person and say, yo, nah, the University of Florida Gators, man, they're not having a black studies department. It's really fucking shit up for the blacks right now. No normal black person would say that shit. It's yeah. not possible. It's not fucking possible yeah. for somebody who's divorced from that existence, somebody who may one day, you know, somebody who say is a, is a garbage man in Florida and they're worried about their kids, you know, the quality of their school, yeah. you know, they're worried about the, the, the situation in their neighborhood, yada, yada, yada. Yo, man, what, it, yo, how far of the list is Africana studies at the public college? Nigga, yeah, please. Look, <laughs> look, uh, I'm like, if you if you're like, you know, saving jobs for truck drivers, if you're uh, if you're making it easier for people to like go on strike and uh, and get more money, uh, if you're uh, if you're making it you know, harder for uh, for Uber to, to get away with not paying people benefits, right? It's like those those things uh, are obviously going to help, you know, working class people of all races. But like, you know, look, we're going to do the percentages game. You know, that's like, you know, that's like those things are going to help a higher percentage of black people than white people. Period. Period. Yeah. Um, man, listen, Ben Burgess, go read his article up, up in Jackson. Gavin Newsom keeps throwing workers under the self-driving bus. Um, man, thank you for coming on the show, my brother. We'll talk soon. Yeah, always. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.